Ah, uh, yes, it's that time again. Just when you think you have it all figured out, something comes along that makes you question everything. This is Unexplained Incorporated, and we are open for business. More and more people want to know who and what is really running the world. Whether it's the elected officials in the public eye, the intelligence agencies, or a cabal of secret societies in the shadows. Just remember that no matter who is involved, there is only one agenda. There is only one grand conspiracy. That grand conspiracy is to hijack your perception and make you believe you are much less than what you really are. These are the ones that manipulate you into feeling weak, powerless, and dependent. These are the ones that manipulate you into believing that you only have five senses. These are the ones who promote our differences instead of our uniqueness. These are the ones that try to convince you that there is no spiritual realm only the physical one. These are the ones who don't want you to discover the truth, just their own version of the truth. But have no fear, true believers. It is an illusion after all. And in response to this agenda, there is only one way to escape the matrix. That response is to remember who you are, a beautiful being of light energy. In response to the illusionary matrix, many have achieved a higher level of consciousness and awareness. These are the light workers of our world, and Unexplained Incorporated has chosen to honor them once a month as their gift is to shine their light onto the world so others are able to shine theirs just as bright, if not brighter. We are early in the age of Aquarius, and the revolution is not taking place in the streets, but within recognition of the essence of our being. Healers, counselors, teachers, communicators, journalists, and everyone doing light work in these dark times will now get their chance to shine brightly on this platform where nobody can snuff out these energetic beings having a human experience. These are ordinary people with extraordinary gifts and will play a significant part in humanity reclaiming its true essence. Unexplained Incorporated is proud to begin this journey into the light right now. Well, hello again, true believers. It is the end of August or almost already. And this is the Lightworker series, the monthly segment, which I just love doing and is always very popular on Unexplained Incorporated, where I feature someone who has a spiritually based practice or is a big contributor to the metaphysical or spiritual community. And if you've been following me on social media, you know that uh, the last week or two, especially with booking and retaining guests has been very chaotic. And in the 17 months plus I've been doing this show, I came about as close as possible to not having a show due to some unforeseen circumstances, which I'll talk about after in the intro or the outro, excuse me, but right now, this is somebody who I've had a 
I guess, an email relationship, a working relationship with uh, over the last few months. And um, this is our first time meeting face-to-face. I'm so excited. And I can honestly say, appearing on short notice for this episode, you are my hero of the day. Thank you so much for joining. And uh, this is Vasundra from myspiritualshenanigans.org. And uh, before you introduce yourself, I just want to say, for those of you who haven't followed, um, I've been doing a series of blogging on my journey into shamanism. And uh, she's been nice enough to post them and give me a form to share my journey with people from across the world. So uh, I'm just going to call you V for short for the rest of this interview, if you don't mind. How are you doing today? And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Phil. It's been an honor. And it is our um, our privilege at My Spiritual Shenanigans to have your work published. It's a delight to learn about the journey of shamanism. Um, I'm doing well. Uh, we're just enjoying a chilly day in Vancouver. So that's all amazing. And I look forward to our conversation. Good. And uh, how's the weather holding up out there? Because I know uh, our friends in BC have had a very turbulent summer with heat and fire and a lot of things. Today, as we record this in my native Ontario, I think it might be the hottest day we have had all summer very close. So are you holding up okay with all that? Yeah, thank you for asking. I think what hurt the most was even though we were privileged as human beings to shelter ourselves in our houses, it was tough to watch the plants and the grass outside just burn yellow. Mm. And even till date, I keep looking outside and I'm like, whatever amount of water has fallen hasn't recovered. So it's okay for us to just go around and enjoy when the air conditioner gets turned on or, you know, when there's, when it's really cold, we have heat, but what we're here on, which is earth, um, which is also the meaning of my name in Sanskrit earth. Oh, cool. Um, we're, we're not, we're not here. We're not doing justice to why we're here. So that's, that's been painful. I would say more emotionally than physically. Yeah. I'm going to get back to that in just a second. Um, Cause you, made me think of a, a very relevant question into the work that you do. Um, we're going to get to your journey as this is your time, but I just want to share a, a small piece of mine right here. It's mm-hmm. so interesting. Our recording date of this, it's wedged the day after my birthday and the day before your birthday. So happy birthday to <laughs> that. And my first article, um, which you posted on my spiritual shenanigans.blog back in June uh, my memory's a little hazy on this, but I think it may have been published on my daughter's birthday or right after. So how's that for some <laughs> synchronicity for you? And before we get to your story, I wanted to ask, um, part two of my journey is going to post on Monday, August the 30th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your favorite thing about the blog I wrote in part one? Because uh, according to our correspondence, you learned an awful lot and you're very happy with it. And I'm grateful that you allowed me back for a part two and eventually a part three. Oh, um, absolutely. So when I was reading about drum and battle, um, you always see these images online of what a shaman looks like. And I'm like, okay, there's someone who's interested in this world who for example, me or for you, who don't look like that, who don't have drums in our houses, who've never probably cared to do a ritual or a ceremony out in in the jungle or, you know, something to do with burning fires and fragrances and smokes. So it was all so mystical and so unrelatable to me until I read your article. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, there's 
sacredness in this, of course. Um, but at the same time, it's giving me an opportunity to observe spirituality from a lens, which I may have not had the courage to try on for me, but through you, right? Uh, so just learning yeah. about the different components, um, the three worlds that you call, right? The lower, the middle, middle and the upper. Yep. Upper, right. Yep. Um, that was fascinating. Cause if I think of Buddhism, they have 10 worlds, or if I think of like, you know, different traditions, they would say heaven and hell. So we're all so synchronized. And to have another flavor of that was super fascinating amongst so many other things. Great. It makes me really happy to hear that. And um, if you remember, and anyone else who has read the blog from uh, My Spiritual Shenanigans, um, a book that was a major influence on me was Dr. Jeff Nix's, um, oh boy, the title always messes me up, but it's like it's like the pathway of the heart or something like it. It's about urban shamanism. And it broke down a lot of barriers for me to say, hey, you can live in the city you know, dress how I'm dressed right now and still do this. And at the present moment, I'm reading a book of about ceremony by Sandra Ingerman, who is like the OG in terms of bringing shamanism to urban centers of the world. And she's been teaching and practicing since like the early eighties, like right around the time I was born. Mm-hmm. And so many references in her book come up and say that these are ancient practices, but you can, you know, make adjustments to do them your own way. It's not like a once, it's not dogmatic. It's not a one size fits all thing. So I'm very happy you were able to learn from that. Um, so before I get to your journey, I thought of this about when you were talking about nature and the, the turbulence of this summer. Um, in the work that you do and through your website, how big of a factor are environmental concerns? Is this something you feel you cover fairly on your site or is it something that needs more attention from you and your contributors? I love that. That is such a question to call me forward. I will be honest, Phil, I've not understood why my name was what it was. My grandpa gifted me this beautiful and meaningful name, but it took me like around 20 years to actually come to terms with the heaviness of it. (laughs) Um, And over time, it's brought many different meanings for me. So like I started off with, it means the means Mother Earth. Um, so just to remind myself, okay, I am abundance. I am the wealth that we perceive outside. When I left my corporate job, it became a reminder that you don't need to be chasing those things that the world says as wealth that's within. And that's still a lesson I'm learning. I haven't mastered it. But that was the onset. And then the second layer was my husband's name, which means ocean. So mm. to find the ocean within earth, I was like, oh, all oh. the answers are within me. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and then came the third piece, which is over the past several years, I've been trying to find the cause that's for me to find a journey which I can pursue because as public figures, we have that responsibility to put the income that we make in coaching or through these websites or through whatever work we're doing into something even higher. And okay, I may have contributed like a hundred here, a hundred there, but there hasn't been a cause where I can just be like, yes, this grips at my heart and I want to be passionate and fight for it and all of that. But I have been noticing in the past several years is every time we've had hot burning days and water falls on the trees, I always watch them dance. And to whoever will listen to me, I'll be like, look, they're dancing. They're happy. 
The flowers are singing. So there's something spurring within me, and I am hopeful that someday I will understand what that is, and hopefully not too late. I mean, the earth's going to be there, but, you know, we as human beings, it might be too late for us. So, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, that's a whole other discussion, but I just want to add one more thing to what you said there. I'm going to make an argument right now that you can see those things because you're tuned into them. Another passage I read from this Sandra Ingerman book very recently, like within the last few days was um, she's constantly going on about listening and communicating and having dialogues with nature. And the phrase more than once has come up in her book that if you listen, you can hear messages from the trees. And I mean, I think if you're tuned in, I totally believe that. So I think that might be a little bit of what's going on with you. (laughs) I think we're all connected and, you know, a part of my work is speaking about spirit animals and, you know, plants and nature and the messages that the trees deliver us. I do believe in that. And you, you know what? I would probably someday explore that. Am I there yet? No. Is my blog there yet? Also no. (laughs) (laughs) Great invitation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to do it when you feel ready uh, to do it. So V, um, we're going to talk about your journey because the journeys on the Lightworker series are always the most exciting part. And I can't wait to find out when you made, you know, this, I don't want to say detour, but kind of a different turn into what you do now from where you were before and how you got here. But um, what would you say you do at the present moment? And what I mean by that is um, I know you as someone who runs a website, who has a blog, who who has fostered a spiritual community. And I believe you've also referred to yourself as a spiritual coach. So Mm -hmm. kind of a loaded question here, but I mean, if someone asks you, like, what do you do, like with your life or for a living? Like, what do you tell them? What's the best way to sum it up in kind of a quick elevator pitch? Because I'm sure there's a lot of different layers to it. (laughs) I love that elevator pitch. Okay, so I work with people that are ready to accelerate their spiritual growth in very simple words. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to be a beginner. You don't have to be 10 years into your journey. You could be anywhere, right? I just work with people that are seeking the tools that are ready to go beyond their limiting conditions, you know, go beyond the ego mind and to tap into something deeper, into something higher and Yeah, that's the crux, whether it's through the articles, whether it's through the coaching, whether it's through the workshops, you know, those are just ways to reach people in different capacities. But that is the intention of the work is accelerating the collective consciousness. And that's why I've been using the word consciousness coach um, in, in more like if I'd be more specific from a spiritual coach. Yeah, I'm at a point on my journey where... I have like a nucleus of what I want to do, but it's Mm -hmm. not going to be able to sustain me uh, Mm -hmm. full time. So I got to have it reach out in like, say, terms of different tree branches, different branches of the tree. Would you say you've done that as well with what you're doing? And obviously it's worked out very well for yourself. Um, I think we're all learning. It's a work in progress. I just, if I were to be honest, every profession requires hard work. Oh, yeah. So whether you're in the corporate, whether you're, you know, a farmer, whether you're any anything, right, even as a coach or as a writer. But there needs to be something higher that's pulling you during those hard times. I mean, not everything about our work we're going to love, 
right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that as a shaman in the process, you've had things where like, I don't enjoy this part. Like, what is yeah. it? Yeah. But at the same time, if you have a vision and there's something pulling you, something higher, it just becomes easier, right? Then the money shows up, then the people show up, then the responsibilities show up to cater to the universe. Yeah. And this type of work, whether you're coaching or you're running like a startup or an enterprise yourself, it's no free ride. Like it's major work and major responsibility. Um, I will say though, on your website, there's a neat little page about you and your biography. And we're going to dig into that a little bit as um, my understanding is, is that you went, I guess, from the corporate world into more of the heart centered spiritual world. And you used to work in, what was it? Cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And um, could you tell me a little bit about your journey, bridging the gap from the corporate world to the, spiritually based uh, endeavors you do now, because I think especially within the last year and a half and the pandemic conditions we're living under more and more people, I think are waking up to make this leap of faith there themselves, excuse me. And they may not know exactly how to do it or maybe find it too daunting, but they know deep within their heart, they want to do it. So mm-hmm. anything you can share from your journey would probably not only help myself, but it would help many others in that same um, category. And like I said, I don't like to use the term detour, but I think it's a sharp turn to go from something that's important and probably very lucrative, like a cybersecurity firm, and then <laughs> going your own way. So, I mean, wherever you want to start, this is this is your floor. Thank you for that invitation. I think what I've often shared is that I found the path accidentally and I had my editor correct me this time. She's like, you really think it was an accident, but the truth is the universe was aligning it for me all this time. And there's no point where if I trace back even 10 years, I'm going to be like, Oh, that event led to this. Mm -hmm. I look back 15 years, that event led to this. So for every person that knows that they're meant for something bigger, for something higher. One thing that stops every single person is this idea that they need to do something grandiose, right? And where I see myself in that journey is constantly reminding myself, it's not about changing the world. It's about changing one person's life. I've had intense conversations about death, about grief, about divorce, about losing their kids, you name it. And that is a part of the journey, right? Those conversations might not matter on the bigger scale, but it it matters to that one person. And that is how you bring a change in the collective consciousness Mm -hmm. because it's a domino effect. You work with one person, they evolve, they help everyone around them. So what we do as lightworkers is we're planting seeds And sometimes we don't get to stick around to see the outcome of that seed. And it might be discouraging, especially because there's so much of money wounds. You know, there's so much of conversation around, oh, you're doing sacred work. Why are you charging for this? Or why are you charging that much for this? But all of those are conversations as a consciousness, as a collective that we are healing from together. And as we step forward and we do the work and we break out of those masculine energy patterns, I like to say wounded masculine because both you and I are masculine energy and feminine energy. 
right? But if we're in the job and we're doing those things constantly, like, you know, working for the promotion, um, struggling to have a power play with the boss or, you know, shouting, raising our voices. Politics. (laughs) Politics, aggressiveness. We're in our masculine energy and we're overusing it to the point where we don't understand what it's like to surrender in the workplace, where we don't understand what it's like to just trust God when you're in the middle of the meeting and everything is crumbling apart. So for so many people, it became an easier outlet to just stop a hard stop, go cold turkey on the job and to go soul searching or because it's pandemic, you can't really go soul search and go on a world tour. You just do it sitting in your home. You attend all these classes and listen to podcasts day in, day night. I've done some of that in my own capacity. But the reason I don't want to make this about my journey today is because I feel like I've shared that enough, but maybe the lessons are more important today. Sure, sure. Right? So primarily speaking, it doesn't matter how you're going to serve them or who they are or what they need, keep doing your inner work because there's something that you're able to see today that somewhere tomorrow, someone's going to need from you. So just keep collecting those little like gems or stones or whatever pebbles and put them in your knapsack and take the next step. And as you keep showing up for yourself, people are going to get attracted to that light and they're going to want to have some of that. And then you get to part it with them. But then again, there's a whole spiritual ego, which begins to show up. It's like, Oh, I'm better than you. (laughs) Um, I actually wanted to talk to you about that next, given where the conversation is going. Um, Because I can attest to this from my younger days. If I had a, um, even a crumb of success in, a certain professional endeavor, my ego would go into overdrive and then eventually it would get me into trouble. And I've had some guests, past guests in the light worker series and some coming on in the future who are greatly concerned about the role of the ego in spiritual work and how it is leading. It could be leading hundreds of thousands of people astray. You know what I mean? So, what are what are your thoughts in the spiritual community about separating heart and ego, if you have any? Because everyone who practices from a heart-centered space, I always think has a very fascinating answer with this. <laughs> it is such a delightful conversation to have. I don't think ego is the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that the ego is the most primal and protective part of ourselves, which if it weren't there, we wouldn't be alive right? But at the same time, when it starts governing our life, Mm -hmm. it becomes difficult because, okay, great. Ego is important to remind us, this is a scary incident that happened to you in the past. You don't want it to happen again. So don't repeat these patterns that you have at your end. At the same time, it might stop you from doing anything. And then you're just sitting there and wallowing and holding yourself back. So what we what I've been taught in my coaching training, as well as what my belief was, is the ego is just like this overprotective brother who doesn't know when to stop, (laughs) (laughs) who doesn't know when to let their little sibling go out and finally play and get hurt a little bit and learn from it. But as we grow, we build a healthier ego structure. 
So there's this whole notion in the community about ego death. That's a very intense conversation. Mm -hmm. We're not there yet. And most of us aren't going to be there yet in this lifetime. I don't know if you believe in other lives. But what we can do is work with the ego. So when, when you ask, is there a way to separate the heart and the ego? That in itself, the separation is the duality. Right? So it's the ego that turns on and says, oh, um, look at me. I'm doing something so wonderful. And then it's the ego that's like, oh, my God, how did I do this? I'm so stupid. So it's the inflation and the deflation. Right? It's the up and the down. It's the ebb and the flow of the ego. We want to just bring that to equilibrium. So there is no good or bad. There is no right or wrong. Neutral. Always calling us back into our neutral. But sometimes that's t- tough for people, right? So some, many of the light workers that I've spoken to, they talk about their ego being out of insecurities and having inferiorities for most of their life. So it takes them so long to give themselves permission to actually come out of that and acknowledge their work and be like, yeah, I did this. This is what I do, right? Even me, like I'm, (laughs) it's been a journey and a half to learn how to talk about the work I do because there was this idea that you can't, that's egoistic, Mm. right? But what's the next step? Once you've moved from that negative ego self-talk to a positive ego self-talk is that neutral space. And then maybe we can talk about ego death at some point, right? But like I said, enlightenment, ego death, these are all heavy things that we can't throw around so lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, like there's another term I believe somewhat associated with this is healthy narcissism. Like, <laughs> narcissism is an incredibly overbearing negative thing that uh, – over the years, I was on the brunt end of, unfortunately, but it also helped me learn and grow. But healthy narcissism, from what I understand, is a healthy belief in yourself and your capabilities and what you can do for yourself and others. So, I mean, it's a very fine line. And I think each practitioner has their own definition of where that line is within them. Like, for example, you said some people um, may have given you flack over the years for charging money at all for your Mm -hmm. services, but at the same time, this is a business. And if you're not charging for an exchange of a service, it's either a charity or a hobby. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? That's to sustain yourself, but some others would say, well, no, this should be given away. It's universal, should be given away to everyone. And then in that argument, whose ego was more out of control? You know what I mean? Like it could go in so many different directions. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. When you think of it that way, there's ego fighting ego. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) On most days, it's just like, you know, like you said, whose ego is more Mm -hmm. prevalent in that moment. Yep. And uh, I always think humility and gratitude is a, a major key for it all. I know you said this is more about this discussion, your lessons instead of your journey. There is just one more aspect of your journey I'd like to ask about, though, because you briefly mentioned it on your site. And I think it's something important to share with people who have either never done this before or are very novice. Um, I seem to remember you saying that a key part in this journey and your manifestation is when you made a vision board for (laughs) where you wanted to end up. And that's a term that is many different things to many people. And I think to each their own Mm -hmm. in terms of who chooses to make a vision board and what their intent is for it. But um, 
when making the vision board, and this is another very important thing, following through on it, not just mm-hmm. making it and have it sit there and do nothing because mm-hmm. you have to put the work in once you visualize it. What aspects of vision board construction worked for you that you can share with others who are thinking of doing the same thing? Because like I said, it's a very personalized and very individualized process, but I think there might be some concepts that can help guide some others along on a similar journey. Absolutely. I love vision boards, even though I've always undervalued them. Um, And what takeaways I've had is that, first of all, if we speak very simply, a vision board is a physical reminder of what we're seeking for ourselves. So while we as the individual will pivot down and up in our moods and our emotions and our beliefs about ourselves, there was a fine moment at one point in your day where you believed you could achieve that which you've written on the board, right? Mm -hmm. So that physical manifestation is just a reminder to you and your subconscious mind. As you keep looking at it, you keep coming back to it and you keep filling it with good vibes. Like every time you look at it, you smile. Yeah. I was just going to say real quick, meditating on the boards or with the boards, would that help as well? I have not ever tried that, but to be honest, Phil, my vision board, even today, like I'm, cause we're on video, you can see me. I'm still looking at it. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's spontaneously there for me. And every time I look up, there's inspiration. Okay. So yeah. it becomes like an anchor for that higher elevated way of thinking or whatever it is to that person. Right. And, you know, there's different schools of thoughts. Like you have to always be positive in order to manifest what you're wanting. I don't believe that's true. I believe that when you set a higher goal on your vision board, doubt is going to creep in. Oh, yeah. are going to creep in. And that's the work. Mm -hmm. That's that's where you show up and be like, okay, what is this? How can I clear it out of my system? Where is this stopping me? Why is this stopping me? And then as you keep asking yourself these questions, you realize that, okay, sometimes it's something that happened to you when you were four years old. Sometimes it's something you heard on TV in a movie. That's completely irrelevant to you. And you unpack and unpack and unpack. And one day, you know, you're there. You've crossed so so many of those fears. They might still be around. They're not going to be as haunting to you. They're not going to make you inactionable. They're a guiding post. So the very stuff that shows up to you when you're thinking about like putting your dreams on paper is the stuff that's going to get you there if you use it correctly. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And you made me think of a meme that I've uh, been seeing uh, repeatedly over the last couple of months. The left side, it's like a sketch. Yeah. There's a ladder (laughs) with each rung. And then on the right, there's another ladder going up to the clouds with the same height, but the rungs are like eight feet apart and you can barely reach them. And it says like one step at a time. And then when you see it like that, it's like, oh yeah, like it's good to think of the big picture, but don't let it dominate you and yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause it could overwhelm you. Yeah. Yeah. And then one thing I've noticed about my vision board practice is that do I look at it every single day and check in with the universe and it's like, where's my gift? Am I there yet? <laughs> no, I don't. No. It's just there. It's amazing to look at, but sometimes you just, you come back and live your life and do your thing and then things happen or things happen differently. They will take you closer and closer, but if you're just sitting there and monitoring it, then it's not serving you. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's uh, it's almost like watching the water boil in a pot. It's like you could just sit there and watch it 
hard, <laughs> but it's not going to go any faster. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But let's, let's get to that part because if you mm-hmm. say the water is boiling, you know, so many people believe, okay, if I've envisioned it, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, I don't agree to that way of okay. thinking. Okay. Because, Sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to just briefly stop you right there because this is just about where I was going to jump into. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, this is great. The flow is amazing. One thing I want to say though, and I'm not just saying this because it's our topic of conversation off screen here. Um, if you don't mind me asking, do you, when you make your vision board, do you use words or pictures? I or used both? To, well, that's a great question. I used to have just words, but recently like people have started saying use symbols or colors. So it just used to be black and white, like on those yellow slips of paper. Yeah. That's all. And then over time it's become a lot of colorful stuff. Okay. Yeah. And anyway, the reason I asked that is that literally off screen, I'm looking at this blue notebook on my desk that is buried underneath clutter, which mm-hmm. I haven't opened in a while. And it has a vision board in it from five or six years ago that's uh-huh. cut and paste of photos I've printed off the internet. And I think it is just as valid now as it was when I first made it. And mm-hmm. when we're off the call, I think I'm going to have to open it up and just give it one more look. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I got reminded of this. Um, where you were going, um, before I had to cut you off was I wanted to ask you overall thoughts on the term law of attraction because Mm -hmm. it, um, it can be somewhat of a trigger and a polarizing topic for people, uh, Mm -hmm. whether they follow it or whether they don't. And I have to give a shout out to, uh, some of my friends south of the border who, host and produce the Daily Transcendence podcast. Uh, It's an amazing show. One of the hosts was on here back uh, earlier in the summer. And I've been catching up on their show because I'm totally hooked on it now. And I listened to an episode of theirs from, I think, the end of April, a few days ago. And they were talking about the law of attraction. And the one host, I thought, said it best. He said, you know, you could go onto YouTube and listen to all these teachers and self-proclaimed proclaimed gurus and it's like oh yeah i can uh, think it and i'll get it i can manifest anything i want and then the host said yeah but have you done the inner work and he's like do you really know what you want he's like if you haven't done the inner work and you don't know what you want he's like you know you're not gonna this isn't gonna work for you mm-hmm. so um yeah what are your overall thoughts on on all that because uh, I unpacked a lot there, but I think this is where you were going before I interluded your thought. Yeah. Yeah. I think I love the way you share that from their podcast. I, I agree, but here's one way to put it is let's say your goal right now is to earn half a million dollars in the next 10 years of your life or however much, right? Mm-hmm. When you say do the inner work, Sometimes that goal isn't even your goal anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then you're like, it wasn't about the money. And 99% of the time, it's really not about the money. It's about something deeper. Yeah. So when you do the inner work, it's about, oh, success. Having that much money would mean I'm successful. And then I would be respected. Having that much money would mean I have freedom to do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. So we all have desires and we manifest those desires as an object, right? So you want to feel a certain way. That's why you're working towards that thing, right? 
But the law of attraction says, why can't you feel that way right now? And if you can feel that way right now, do you even really need that thing? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Then, Mm -hmm. Then that thing loses its power. Then you realize you're the one that had the power this whole time. So for example, if let's say tomorrow something happens to earth and we all suddenly die, do you think that the money in those banks is going to matter if we're not there? Nope. Then is it really about the money? Hmm. Or if even 10 of us were left, would the money really matter? Yeah. Wouldn't we all be so lonely that we would seek each other instead? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to make it a more playful question, then we just say, okay, you want to attract that partner. We always talk about free will. If you're trying to attract an, another person, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you have something to say. No, um, another thing this host said, which I found very amusing was, is that one aspect of this that really set them off are teachers. And I've seen quite a few of them online who claim you can manifest specific individuals at will. To mm-hmm. me, that's a little dicey and a little maybe even dangerous. But yeah, where are you going to go with that? That's all I want to add. <laughs> I feel like I'm running with it. Um, Yeah. What I'm feeling is happening is that we want to be able to share these amazing ideas with the world and say anything is possible. Yes. And so there's always the terms and conditions to everything. (laughs) Always. Always. Right. Even if you did attract that person, let's just say, you know, things worked out. Are they the best fit for you? Right. If you're on this path and you're constantly evolving and suddenly this person comes up who doesn't care about self-development, isn't of growth mindset, you're going to evolve over them as well. And then what? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's, that's deep, but it's totally on point and it makes you think. Yeah, and then even when we attract the right person, it's different to attract that thing into our life, but to stay at that vibration to continue having it. So for instance, there are so many amazing relationships that look good on paper, but you notice that because ego fights ego, eventually it doesn't work out. And you're like, what? They were so amazing together. What happened? Well, you're you're not getting the full story. (laughs) Not even close. Wow. So like, I just, yeah, I'm forward with a lot of what you're saying because it is resonating with me, but I just want to add to this. So I'm going to say kind of the trap in the oversaturated marketing of the law of attraction and manifestation. Cause I don't think manifestation necessarily is a bad thing at all. If you do it with the right intent and the right mindset and all that. But if you're going to go out there thinking, okay, uh, I'm going to get X amount of money. I'm going to get a nice sports car. I'm going to get, you know, as a single gentleman like myself, I'm going to get any woman I want or whatever. What you've just said is, if you're doing this properly with the right um, intention from the heart, the right amount of light within you that you're going to attract objects or if you try to attract objects, what you really want is the frequency that those objects are going to bring to you. And like you said, if you get in touch with that frequency, then you have the power over those objects. Is that more or less what you're saying? This is how I'm kind of taking it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. In a very, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I would put it. 
Wow. Do you, uh, <laughs> v, do you have a book deal in place? Cause I feel like, you know, out of all the people who have written massive books and movies about this and have gotten, you know, rich and famous, I feel like what you're saying probably makes way more sense, you know? <laughs> so that's why I bring that up. You'll be surprised how many people, um, make sense in this community, but their work isn't really out there. And I think that's okay. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually everything becomes mainstream because we're evolving, right? Mm-hmm. So 10 years ago, we didn't really talk about the law of attraction. Yeah. Right? 15 years ago, nobody talked about meditation. And yet here we are, there's 100 different types of meditation, 100 different types of yoga. So we're evolving. And then there's always going to be something that becomes so mainstream that it's not even true. It becomes far from the truth. Right? Oh, so yeah. I think we just keep doing the inner work. We share it with as many people as we can and stay true to it. Right. And then eventually it'll reach the right person when it's their time. Yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. And my next question here, it kind of speaks to kind of leapfrogging forward in one's own spiritual practice, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're working with a client or a blogger or anybody who you know, they're putting in the work, they have their thing they want to write or talk about, and then they reach out to you and say, hey, I'm thinking of getting into coaching. Um, I'm just curious about how that conversation would go and how would you encourage them? Because I mean, in certain types of professions, and I've had this happen to me in the past when um, I had my eye on, say, a certain profession, I'd go to find a source to talk to and they'd say, Oh, this industry, don't get into it. It's terrible. (laughs) Like, and they're not even saying that out of insecurity. It's that they've had a really bad experience there or Mm -hmm. they're burned out on it or whatever. And you know, you don't strike me as someone who would do any of those things. You have a very abundant mindset and you're very inclusive, but I mean, what would you say to those who, um, are ready to get into the space of starting up their own practice or becoming a coach or whatever, because I'm kind of with my shamanism and my other practices, I'm in that in between zone right now, kind of where I'm almost ready to strike out on my own, but I still have a lot left to learn. So, I mean, like, what do you say to all that? Yeah. Thank you for offering that question. It's amazing that there's so many people that want to help and everyone brings in their own flavor I also believe that if this work was just meant for one or two people, then those one or two people would have been enough. Mm. But we're a collective, we're a team, and we're here to support each other and pick each other up and say, oh, this is your angle. Like as coaches, I'm currently training with 200 other coaches and that's just my program, right? So imagine there's probably like a hundred programs running in the world. I'll say a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? There's, There's so many coaches in the world. The first thing that we have to realize is this isn't about us. This is work that we're doing for something deeper, something more beyond ourselves. So a lot of the time we start off super excited. Yes, I want to share all the things. It's like a honeymoon period with the coaching business or spiritual practice that you're willing to share with the world. And then rubber hits the road, things get real and our triggers start coming up. Mm. So that's where coaches get a lot of pressure and they feel like they have to perform in front of their clients to be holier than thou. I have to be like totally over everything that I'm helping you with. 
The truth is, if you're coming to people knowing everything, people are going to spot it and they're going to try to poke holes in that. Whereas if you show up saying, oh, um, that sounds awful. And I'm sorry that you're going through that, but I have love and compassion for you. And we're going to work on this together. It doesn't matter what kind of training you've been through. All people are needing is to be met where they're at. And then automatically action comes out for them. So we as coaches don't have the responsibility to guide someone. People are capable of healing themselves, guiding themselves. Mm -hmm. We're just helping stick around until they figured it out. Right? Even as spiritual practices, we may believe that, oh, you should meditate every single day. Yes, because that's helped you. But what if it doesn't help the other person? Oh, yeah. Right? So we're helping. We're not trying to take over their life. We're not saving anyone. <laughs> right? So like I said in the very beginning, is just keep taking those small steps in your work, in your journey. And the universe will give you bigger and bigger responsibility to take on. But it always starts with one client. Right? So do justice to the one client or the one writer who's writing towards you or whatever. And then see how it goes from there. I mean, you can always change your mind. You don't have to stick in this for the long run. And it doesn't mean that you're a failure if you quit your um, coaching profession or your, whatever you're doing, right? You're allowed to keep evolving. You're allowed to keep doing different things. I mean, so many coaches in the industry were first therapists, right? They moved from therapy into the world of coaching. And now some of them are becoming speakers and they're writing their own books. We're all finding ways of expressing ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. I just thought of a great question based on what you just said. Um, I don't know how the world of traditional psychotherapy feels about like the coaching industry. I do know, and I've been to at least one in my life where mm -hmm. classically trained psychotherapists will integrate spiritual coaching. And I think that's a wonderful thing, but I mean, some mm -hmm. of that field may not be okay with that or whatever. They may feel threatened by it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, how important is a traditional counseling or psychotherapy background to coaching or is it not important at all? Um, because I imagine there's some issues like as a coach, mm. as badly as you want to help, mm. there's some issues you have to turn over to the people who are classically trained. So, I mean, is that a conflict for you or um, I guess what I'm trying to ask is what is the balance between the traditional and the spiritual mm. and, um, I'm sure you've run into situations where you've had to pass someone off onto a more licensed uh, professional, not to take away anything from spiritual practitioners or coaches, but I think you know where mm -hmm. I'm going with that. Yeah. That's an amazing and important question, Phil, because no matter where you're at in your journey, you need to know when to stop helping. Right. And it is nothing personal first of all. And yes, there's a fine line between a coach, a counselor, a therapist, a mentor. I don't want to go into the detail of that. You can Google it. It's yeah. in so much of depth. But as a coach, you're trained to work with people that are coming with a growth mindset that aren't necessarily coming to you to work from a place of, oh, I'm depressed. Can you help me with my depression? Your coaches, most coaches that are trained are of the understanding of, okay, when is this person going out of their window of tolerance, which is a term they use in therapy, which means this person isn't in their right frame of mind. Their nervous system is getting highly dysregulated and we need to bring them back 
and this topic is too sensitive, like it's a big T trauma. We can't work on this right now without this person getting triggered. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That can be freaking someone out. Like as a coach, you may not know that. And then you have a client that comes to you and they're freaking out. So the training behind who you are, you who you are able to help is important. There's a reason why there's a distinction between a therapist, counselor, mentor, coach, and then some, right? Mm-hmm. And they're not stepping over each other's boundaries. There's very clear distinctions. Yeah. But therapy is important. It is needed. That's why you will see in most cases, therapists have some tie up with insurance companies, right? Whereas a coach so far hasn't been given that kind of accreditation. But I do believe that even when you're doing a lot of spiritual development and you want to accelerate and you're done with like the sitting around and the sulking and the bolt, like, you know, just when you're done being stuck, even a coach becomes mandatory for you. Yeah. But yeah, those are important distinctions to talk about. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because there, there may be some people who may look towards someone like you and they'll be like, Oh, you're a coach. Well, what are your credentials? How come you don't have all the diplomas of the, or, you know, the, the cred of a, you know, a therapist. And I think you're doing the same kind of work, but just in different ways. And like you said, they just kind of bounce off of each other so i mean for anyone who wants to criticize spiritual coaches or life coaches who are doing it the right way i think what you said there was put very profoundly yeah and it's okay about the criticism we eventually learn to build thick skin i'm still mm-hmm. learning by the way i still get hurt if someone well you're human challenges. <laughs> yes yeah. and the important thing to remember is someone who's charged up about it might have had a terrible experience before you So it wasn't really about you. It was their experience in general about coaching or therapists or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I won't get into it much here, but you and I were talking, setting up this interview and I was really hurt by what happened Mm -hmm. with the guest I originally had booked for this time slot. But the way this has gone, I'm almost glad it happened because here we are, you know what I mean? And I'm just about over the hurt of that experience, but I, cause I mean, I just wanted to show you that it happens to everyone. And when you are hurt or if you are doubting yourself, because you and all the other coaches, you know, around the world, we're all human who coaches the coaches or who makes the coaches feel better. Cause I think, mm-hmm. or is it, do you just help each other out? I think it's a very important question. It's very important, right? We're all humans. We're all here to help. And sometimes we get pulled down for helping other people. I currently have, at least five to six hours of coaching on myself every month. Mm, Um, And that's, there's a spiritual coach, there's a business coach, there's a general coaching coach. (laughs) So there's all the things and we need that. And like I said, it becomes mandatory because you can sure you have all these amazing tools, but when you're not in the right frame of mind, you need someone to help you elevate that. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like who heals a healer? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But keep this in mind though. And I've been taught this in my Reiki and shamanic courses. Um, You said this earlier, everyone has the capability to heal themselves and whatever healing energy we work with, it comes through us, you know, from source, from God, whatever, however you want to say it. And you're more or less the conduit 
to their healing and you give them the clarity and their return to power so they can heal themselves mm, more or less. It's not about dependency and all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, as you keep coaching people, as you keep working with people, all of those dependencies, everything is going to keep creeping up. Right. So it's absolutely normal part of the process. And then you get to evolve from that. Yeah. And I mean, keep in mind if you're coaching or consulting to help other people, you're getting just as much help in return because you, you learn something from everybody. Like it's just a whole flow of abundance, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had this one pro bono client and I feel called to share because she was going through a very traumatic time in her life where she had a lot of cats and every year a cat kept passing away. Oh man. So she would overcome the grief of one and then the next would go. And her financial situation wasn't great. Her whole life was circulated around just grieving and overcoming it. And this whole guilt, like I could have done something else to save my cat. And every time I would talk to her, there was just so much of depth that she would take me to. That would allow me to hold space from that area. And that's a privilege. You know, there's people and there's nothing wrong I mean, you don't have to have gone through grief to take on a coach or any of that, but sometimes our problems don't require so much of depth and understanding of life. And then just something happens and you're invited to go way deeper, sink mm-hmm. your roots in into something higher, right? It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's intense, but it is really amazing if you're able to find it. V, once again, I want to thank you so much for the time. Uh, We only have time for maybe another two to three questions. And I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface. And I think down the road, we'll schedule schedule you for a part two, for sure. Sure, I would love that. (laughs) That's great, because we could go in a bunch of different directions. But I'm only going to keep it for another two to three questions here. My first one is, is, um, we kind of talked about criticism and thick skin and... um, still a a percentage of people not understanding this work and being connected to spirit. What are some of the biggest um, stereotypes or misconceptions that are still associated with your work that you feel compelled to share or to break down for people? Like, for example, if you're trying to explain someone about what you do or what some of the practices you're like, and they criticize Mm -hmm. it, well, like what are one or two things you'd be like, no, no, it's actually this. And once you see it this way, you may get a better understanding. Like, do you have any of those you can share? Absolutely. I think one area that I've noticed a lot of people dig at when they're speaking to someone as their potential coach is they'll want to understand the coach's knowledge. And those people typically are self-taught. So they've probably spent hours like listening to amazing podcasts, doing a lot of books and journaling and inner work. And that's amazing. But what I've noticed is their ego begins to get in the way of their own healing. And there's a fine distinction between that person's looking at me and saying there's something wrong with me versus saying they just don't believe in the power of a coach. And that's okay. That's on them. So it's about deflecting that, right? And it's it's a journey. It takes time to build that thick skin where you can just say, if we really slow down and listen to what they're saying, it's not even about us. It has nothing to do with the coach. Yeah. Right. It could be their insecurity. It could be their fear. They don't know what to trust. They may actually believe they already know everything. Right. So 
a lot of the practice that you do as coaches is sure there's going to be amazing people that want to work with you right away um and there's going to be people that aren't your people so how you overcome them is just you're part of the healing yeah and this is very important uh whether you're starting a business and coaching or anything else really Mm -hmm. um it is okay to say no to potential clients is it not yeah to set boundaries Oh, yeah. That's one I've just literally learned. Oh, okay. (laughs) So there used to be a time where I would help all the people and be like, okay, you can't pay. I'll do pro bono for you, but I can help because I want to, right? Right. And what I realized is that right off the bat, there is going to be a lot of telltale signs, red flags, that will tell you this isn't probably my kind of client. This isn't where I'm going to be able to serve best. There's nothing wrong with the person. But the qualities that they're bringing in aren't in alignment with what I'm able to offer. Um, That's a fine line, but only until you get in, until you dip your toes and you get your hands dirty is when you start figuring out what those boundaries are. Yeah. And every other light worker practitioner I've had on the show since I started the segment back uh, February, they've all said the same thing. Like they've established boundaries and there's nothing wrong with that. So I'm glad you brought that up. So let's talk a second about your website and synchronicities because I just, I love those uh, things. Um, So the name, My Spiritual Shenanigans, here's a funny thing. Mm -hmm. I don't consciously remember how I found your website. I really don't. I was looking at something and it just came in through the SEO. Don't remember, but then I'm so glad that I did. And I saw it was really cool. And one of the things that first hooked me in was the uniqueness of the name. Are you able to share where the name came from? Because it's just, <laughs> and I mean this in the best way possible. It's so unusual that you don't forget it. I wish I had a fancy story. I kid you not. Um, it's a very simple, non, it's an underwhelming story. Basically what happened is when I was writing longer lengths of content, I wasn't, I didn't have a website at the time. I just wanted to share it with like a few safe people who I knew enjoyed this work. Would it take it well? And it was just giving me a chance to write and talk more. I started making the titles of those emails as my spiritual shenanigans. Where did that title come from? No clue. (laughs) Why did it come? No clue. But once it did, I was just like, there's no two thoughts about it. Let that be the name of the website. And here we are. So that's the only (laughs) (laughs) underwhelming part of the story. You're stuck with it now, whether you want it or not, eh? (laughs) Yeah, but I do love it. I I shouldn't really say that because you can always change course and rebrand. It happens, you know, with everybody. But it's a great name. It's memorable. And uh, we love what you do. I was reading something else in your bio that said... um, one thing that got you into motion with starting the website was you kept seeing the recurring number 1111 on the clock. And mm-hmm. for those, you know, if you're listening to the show, I'm sure you understand the concept of synchronicity as I've talked about it and recurring numbers, 1111 being a major one, not only for myself, mm-hmm. but for other people. But could you just quickly explain um, the concept of recurring numbers and spirit animals? Cause that's another one that has been a major influence and blessing in my life within the last two to three years. So, I mean, uh, yeah, so start with the numbers first. Absolutely. I love that. Um, what happened for me was that there was this couple of months where it's like a dark night of the soul, um, where everything was falling apart. And one day 
I saw 11, 11 on the clock and I'm like, Hmm, the Americans call this like a magical number. You're supposed yeah, to see yeah. it and make a wish. That's all I knew of it. I, I don't remember what the wish was probably something like I need respite from my situation. And then after 12 hours at night, I'm reading an article and it's 11, 11 on the clock when I'm done reading. <laughs> the article at the time was about something called twin flames, which is a totally different topic, but that was my oh, introduction yeah. into spirituality and their website's name was 1111 twinflames.com or something. And I was like, what's with all the synchronicity? Like what's with I all the numbers? I think I've been on that site actually. <laughs> I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if it's still out there, what it was called, whatever, but basically this happens and I'm noticing energy shifting and what they call the third eye I just see these petals and this something unfolding and I'm just lying with my eyes closed and I'm like, yes, this is probably enlightenment. Um, but not, I'm still here, still learning how to get there. Mm-hmm. Ever since I've noticed that on days where there's, there's two things I've noticed. One is when you're just totally aligned and everything's flowing, the universe is going to pop synchronicities and everything just feels like it's flowing so naturally. You're in rhythm. And also There's days where you're feeling really insecure, you're uncomfortable, you're feeling worried about the future. Mm -hmm. Universe, again, is going to throw numbers your way, right? Now, we don't need to know what the meaning of the numbers is or even of the spirit animal that shows up for us. Sometimes the synchronicity enough is enough for our subconscious mind to be like, okay, everything's fine. So I'll just say this. I think this is in my case, especially with the spirit animal. I think the same one will show up in a a number of different situations because it's what my mind can process in this physical realm. Yes, absolutely. It's basically the universe's way of catching your attention and being like, wait, pause, come out of that ego construct or come out of that treaty and acknowledge, right? There's something higher at play. So if we talk about spirit animals, there's this whole you know, I even wrote a book or it was an attempt to write a book. Um, it was my mm-hmm. first. It was called tw- uh, Spirit Animals, 21 Divine Messenger of the Universe, oh, yeah. where I shared small stories. And for example, a ladybug, it's crawling. What is its symbolism? Why is it here? Why is it crawling on my dashboard in the middle of the afternoon? Or why do I keep getting chased by bees? Why do I dream of snakes? You know, there's There's obviously so much information on the internet. What I always say about synchronicities, whether it's angel numbers, whether it's bird animals, whether it's anything else, is your way of interpreting it is yours. So maybe the number 17, which I can see on your screen, uh, is important to someone who's listening to this call right now. Right. That number has no relevance to me. Yeah. So if you ask me the angel number 17, what does it mean? I don't know. That's okay. I don't need to know. The and person who's receiving it. It's funny, you bring, <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because we're on a video chat, but this is only the audio is going to be released. So if you didn't acknowledge that, nobody would have known. So yeah, you brought that yeah. up for a reason for someone listening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> there's meaning in it and you can go online and explore different possibilities for you. But ultimately the universe is just asking you to pause and acknowledge And then if it needs to reach more insight to you, it will in different ways. So one like tip I want to leave the audience with is don't get caught up in the meanings if you don't understand them. We're not here to process meanings. We're not here to unpack puzzles. 
just send out a communication, a prayer to the universe that says, I'm listening. Can you tell me in clear words what I need to do or what the message is for me? And I kid you not, the message arrives in a very simple, straightforward way. Yeah. All right. So can I share a synchronicity story with you that happened very recently? Absolutely. Okay. So the week before this one, um, I had a guest on, or I had a guest booked who had to postpone, unfortunately, for the second time on the show. Mm -hmm. And I had more than enough advance warning and both times they were due to situations beyond everybody's control. And that happens. That's just, you know, Mm -hmm. a part of the game. And, um, at the end of the weekend, it was a really nice evening. I went out for a walk in my neighborhood, put in some headphones like I have here right now and listen to music on my phone. And I was listening to uh, a, like kind of a favorite album of mine in like mid to late summer. That's when I usually listen to it. Okay. And the song comes on called blind in Texas, which is one I like. And the chorus is just like, I'm blind in Texas. Da, da, da. That's mm-hmm. how it goes. I just want to say this. I was, I told this story on an Instagram live video that failed to post or at least uh, <laughs> it failed to upload to my account. So I have to tell it here since we're on the subject. And then I got one more question for you. So I'm listening to blind in Texas, walking through my neighborhood. I looked this up on Google maps. I'm approximately a 22 hour plus drive from the state of Texas. Okay. To give mm-hmm. you somewhat of an idea of where I live. <laughs> the refrain, the chorus of the song comes on for the very last time. I look up, there's a car parked at a driveway in my neighborhood with a Texas license plate on it. And then one house over my spirit animal, the morning dove, my primary one flies and touches down on the rooftop of this house. And when I got back from the walk, I go, I check my direct messages and the guest I was hoping to replace the person who couldn't make it on August 20th, confirmed with me Mm. (laughs) and ended up being a fantastic guest and will be returning again in the new year. So if that's not a sign of synchronicity, I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) There's an incredible story that um, your readers, your, your listeners, I'm sure are going to enjoy on August 30th, right? The spider web and all of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't want (laughs) to give too much away, but synchronicity and spirit and totem animals plays a big role in the part two of drum Rowell and soul, my shamanic mm. blog. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, V just before we could tell the people where to, uh, you know, find you other than your website and your social media. My last question is, is doing what you do with coaching and allowing people to write about their spiritual practices and experience. Can you think of one that you have either learned the most from or that has blown your mind the most? Because I'm sure there's so many for you to choose from in your journey and running the site. But is there one that trumps above all others that made you go, okay, I thought I knew what I needed to know about this, but this piece of work or this person blew my mind. Is there anything you could think of there? That's a very good question. And there have been amazing writers on this blog and I don't want to make that claim because I think the information that they've provided is relevant to someone or the other. Mm. Um, But I've been very picky over the last one year about who I 
give space to because I believe that the work that needs to reach is heartfelt. It's not about, you know, the backlinks and getting more domain authority and all of those things. Yes, I understand them. They're important for your work to grow. But if you're coming from the heart, if you're just focused on service and giving to the world, doors open up the way, you know, I met you, Phil, and the way that so many Mm -hmm. other amazing writers have shown up. So I'm not going to answer that. But I think there's amazing writing there. So I'll invite people to explore it for themselves. Absolutely. Sometimes you just can't pick and choose. That's not fair. (laughs) I thought thought it was worth the ask. V, this has been amazing. We'll definitely do a part two. And uh, before we sign off, where can people find you, get a hold of you, follow you on social media? Like just lay it all out there. Okay. um, Well, basically all of my time and energy is now on the blog. That's my spiritual shenanigans.blog. But if you look up on all the social medias, it's by the same name. Mm -hmm. I'm not active on social media anymore just because (laughs) I feel like there's an abundance of information already there and I don't want to add more to that. So I have my own little space and that's where you find me. You can write me an email. You can set up a time on my calendar if you want to explore coaching with me or just read one of the articles and take something from that. So there's all those things. Absolutely. And just keep in mind, true believers... I reached out to her with a cold email and then it led to all this. So don't be afraid to do it if you're compelled to do it. I'm sure it's going to be a warm email. I don't believe in cold emailing. Oh, well, you know what I mean, <laughs> cold approach. Like that's, that's, you know, the business term for it or whatever. So yeah, but warm for sure. All right, V, uh, take care. And thanks again for stepping up for me. This has been a, a chaotic month and uh, I feel like I can exhale now that it's almost over and do enjoy your birthday the night that this posts. I'm sure you will. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me here and sending lots of love to everyone. Well, there you have it, true believers. Vasundra Gupta. I really hope I pronounced all that properly. Her site is myspiritualshenanigans.blog. Wow, like that is the true epitome of what the Lightworker series is all about. So insightful, so inspiring, and really so selfless with her time, her energy, and the way she answered all the questions, and especially when she didn't want to answer the comparative type of questions and was even a little sheepish on sharing aspects of her own journey because she thought more of the big picture details were more important like that's pretty amazing you you can't ask for a whole lot more in a guest in regards to that and I was really happy I got to share my synchronicity story about when Dr. Christy Sumner confirmed to do the podcast the previous week as I don't like to take time away from the guest's to tell some of my own stories and experiences, but once in a while it is necessary in order to move the show along and to prove a point. So I thank V for allowing me to do that as well. I've said this on the show time and time again, some of the best organic connections I have made with people are the ones that happened seemingly by fluke or by chance, but really were no accident at all. And V is definitely one of those connections we made back in the spring because I started taking my shamanic courses in the middle of May 
due to uh, provincial lockdowns and restrictions. And then I had my first blog for her about a month later. And I'm so thankful, not only that she loved it, but she got where I was coming from because this and the second one that's going to post on August 30th, uh, they're pretty loaded entries. And I hope um, her readers and the true believers get a lot out of it. And uh, part three is going to post sometime in mid-December. It may be the biggest entry yet. So I'm very lucky to have that in the works for me and very blessed as well. I'm going to post that on my Instagram page, the link to it when it does post. And if you haven't read the first one already, it's called Drum, Rattle, and Soul, My Journey into Shamanism. And uh, you can read that on her website right now. And if you want to read the two together, by all means, be my guest as of next week. Um, Don't have much more to say about that. But I do want to address one thing real quick. It's kind of two things tied into one. If you haven't been following me on Instagram, Phantom Phil Unexplained, with underscores between the words, um, I've been pretty active on there uh, this past week as there's been a lot of changes and a lot of goings on. And I'm only going to address this situation once more. So a quick story. I tried to do a Final Thoughts with Phantom Phil Instagram live broadcast, which I like to do every so often on my page to help um, promote the show and add some extras and personal experiences to it. And for some reason, I did not only one, not only one, but two live broadcasts, and neither one of them posted to my account. And I have a feeling... This is the universe's way of telling me that I was maybe being a little bit too harsh and I had to tone it down. (laughs) And the reason for that being is that V was not supposed to be on this episode. She was not scheduled. Um, I did have some plans of having her on later in the year once I got to know her through email a little bit better. But um, long story short, without mentioning any names or getting into too many details. Um, a very potentially exciting and high-profile guest, basically after agreeing to come on the show, agreeing with the questions I sent to be asked on the show, and accepting my email to the Zoom meeting to record, essentially flaked out on me. And... Squeezing in this recording was on a timeline that I barely had, but I wanted to do it for the good of this person and the good of the show, and this person obviously did not reciprocate that, and I decided to shoot them a message just to see what was going on, because it's a crazy world out there and you never know, could be emergency, could be something serious, and... Before the next morning, I get an answer in the middle of the night basically saying, Oh, sorry, forgot. And when you're, you know, doing content creation that relies on guests and other people's interviews, and you're on a tight timeline and a shoestring budget like myself, that type of behavior is so far beyond hurtful and disrespectful, at least to me that I'm not even going to dwell on it any further. Um, Like I said in one of my other IG posts, this person, um, unless they make amends, is not welcome on this show, and I will not be promoting any of their work 
for that reason. And uh, I hate to be that way, but I think the set of circumstances warrants it. However, I have softened a little bit as I feel this episode was an amazing one. And talking to V privately after we recorded, it opened up some doors for me on a personal level about some other needed insights for my life, which we're going to communicate off the air about privately. So one door closes, sometimes a better one opens. And I think this episode is living proof of that. And one other quick thing I want to touch on. Thank you guys so much for all the birthday love that I got on my social media platforms. Uh, I was overwhelmed by it, even the belated ones, even some of you I haven't heard from in like forever. Really means a lot, especially in this disconnected, splintered version of community we have during the pandemic. It's good to know you're still out there. And I just want to say something. I alluded to this in some other uh, somewhat personal issues in my birthday message, which I posted both on my IG and Facebook. And there's a bit of nastiness in it at the end. And I'm not shy about it. Um, It was some things I needed to say. And I thought that was the perfect form to say them. And yeah, they were targeted towards specific people. And I'm not sorry about that. And in fact, about just a few minutes after I posted that and I got those words onto a keyboard and into cyberspace I felt like I lost about five pounds or so from my solar plexus because the emotions I put into that post obviously have been very tangled up and I don't know what's the word I'm looking for here and it was heavily weighing me down and once I got it out into the world it was gone as harsh as it as it was and I feel this is a major step forward into the healing I am going through um, at the end of this summer here and just after my birthday so I just want to say in closing September lineup is available on all unexplained incorporated social media outlets um, Facebook Instagram Twitter um, my guests are all trusted people who I know and love and who are going to be great guests on the show in September and for the Lightworker series uh, Carly Van Every the challenge is up to you um, I know you're going to bring a lighthearted, amazing interview um, like I know you're capable of also making your second appearance on the show but uh, after V oh man you got some big shoes to fill but uh, I'm looking forward to it and once again it was amazing to be in V's presence because I felt a very gentle, calm energy from her where I was a little more amped up because I've been very amped up and all over the place this month. She was very calm and very grounded. And I take that as a sign that crossing over from August into September, things are going to calm down a lot in my life and there's going to be a bit more stability to the chaos, which I think I, uh, (laughs) I really need right now. And by the way, um, If someone listening to this resonated with the number 17, I'm very happy if that's the case. And just a trivia note, um, 
I uh, record this in my uh, bedroom at my desk, kind of my mini office work area. And on the wall above my bed, I have these old hockey jerseys I collected as a child because I just didn't have the heart to donate them or give them away. And one of them is the number 17, and it's a Wendell Clark Quebec Nordiques jersey. Now, Wendell, as a longtime Leafs fan as I am, was the heart and soul of the Toronto Maple Leafs for many years. However, when I was in like the 6th or 7th grade, he got traded to the Nordique, and Matt Sundin, who became a Hall of Famer and franchise captain, one of the all-time great Leafs, was brought to Toronto in return. And after Wendell bounced around a bit, he came back to Toronto and retired there and wasn't the player he was because his body was really beat up. But uh, a Wendell Clark Quebec Nordique jersey is a rare commodity, and it's on my wall. That's where the number 17 comes from, in case you're wondering, and I hope it helps someone. And thank you again for listening to me on this long-winded rant. I'm literally recording this night before posts and editing. I never have turnaround that quick, but given the recent circumstances, oh, I feel like I uh, can maybe start exhaling this upcoming weekend. And I just wanted to say, too... Um, a lot of great stuff is coming up on Unexplained. I'm just starting to plan the October lineup. I got some cool stuff in mind for that. Hopefully it all clicks for me. I have a guest coming on at uh, the end of the year in a very special two-part edition of the Lightworker series. And uh, it's going to get a little dicey. It's gonna, She's going to bring the fire and it's going to have a lot to add to what V said about the law of attraction and whatnot. It's going to be great. Dr. Christy Sumner will be back on on the first show of 2022. In what capacity, I cannot say yet. That's going to be a surprise. And Unexplained 100 will be posting February the 4th, 2022. There will be no case study in February as we're going to do something special for the 100th episode of the show. And I can't say what that is yet, but the ideas I have, I like where it's going. So... Stay tuned, stay strong, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay curious, true believers. I love you all. Looking forward to year 39 on this planet. But for tonight, I've rambled long enough, and the doors of Unexplained Incorporated are now closed.